Hey, you're listening to Blue Jean Church's podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. To learn more about Blue Jean Church in Selma, Alabama, visit us at www.bluejeanselma.com. It's, it's uh, my privilege this morning to get to introduce a lot. Where is he? Where do you go? There you are. Long time, time friend of mine, David Nichols, who's the pastor extraordinaire at Cross Point. Uh, David and I go way, way back. And uh, I've just, David, David is one of the most, uh, he's one of the best pastors I've ever seen. He, if you're around him, he's going to be loving on you. And uh, he's, a, he's just full of the Holy Spirit and a great leader. I, every time I'm around him, I texted him one time after a meeting. I said, man, you've got so much wisdom. And uh, anyway, he is a great, humble guy. I love him to death. He's a personal friend of mine. And um, uh, we got him speaking at us for us this morning. Y'all give it up for our friend, David Nichols. Come on up, David. Let's pray. Father, we bless your name this morning, and um, God, I thank you that you're the sovereign ruler of the universe. Lord, you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we just bless your name this morning. God, I thank you for your presence here this morning, and God, I just pray you speak to your people today, God, that you would be glorified, that your people would be edified and built up this morning. God, may you receive all the glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, I thank you all for allowing me to come this morning, and as Bob says, we go way back, and uh, I couldn't help but think of a funny story a while ago when he first was running for judge the first time. I was actually a convicted felon at the time and couldn't vote for him, but I had an old blue caravan that I drove around town, and so I took and put Bob Armstrong for district judge signs all in the windows of that caravan, and it went everywhere I went. And so you can't help but get tickled at a convicted felon riding around campaigning for the district judge. And so uh, God does have a sense of humor. And I, I tell you what, I've been going back and forth this morning. I got a message in my notes, and uh, the guys have done put a bunch of scriptures in, but I think I feel the Lord leading me to go in a different direction. And so I'm going to go in a different direction. Is that okay? Amen. Is that safe to do here? Amen. Um, and, and Bob brought it up. You know, I'm born and raised here in uh, Selma, Alabama, hometown guy. Um, a lot of people say they're stuck in Selma. I'm here because I choose to be here. Amen. I'm here because this is my home and this is where God planted me. Uh, I was out of a job one time before, and this was years ago, and a buddy of mine was working down in Biloxi, Mississippi, and he says, man, I have a job for you if you'll come down here, and so I packed up my stuff, and I left for Biloxi, Mississippi. I drove four hours to Biloxi, Mississippi. I got out the truck. I walked over to him on the job site. He was the foreman, and I said, I quit. He said, quit? You just got here. I said, man, I'm from Alabama. I'm not from Mississippi. I'm going home. I'd rather be broke and no job and at home than away from home, so this, this is my home, but like a lot of us, I come from a broken home. My mom and dad divorced at an early age. Uh, moved in with an alcoholic grandparent uh, at about four or five years old. And uh, my, my granddaddy was a good man, but he was a hard man. And, and I remember coming up thinking I just never could do nothing right. I never was good enough. Uh, worthless, I thought, was my middle name for the longest time. And I can't tell you the other adjective he put on the end of that because we're in church. And 
So at some point in my teenage years, I thought, man, if I'm worthless and no good, then at least I can be good at it. And so I started acting out and started doing things that I shouldn't be doing and ended up in drugs and alcohol at an early age. And so at 23 years old, I ended up arrested uh, for selling drugs and went through that whole process. And, uh, you know, and I'll be honest with you, at 23, I thought I had life by the tail. I, I thought I had it figured out. Uh, man, I, ha I had a decent job. I had money in my pocket. I had friends at home every week. Uh, and I thought, man, it don't get much better than this. I had a wife. I had three kids at that time. And so I thought, man, I got this figured out. And I woke up one morning, and there was just this, there was a hole in here that it didn't matter how much alcohol I drank. It didn't matter how much drugs I did. I just could not feel that hole. I couldn't feel that void uh, that was in there. And my wife was a believer, and my wife went to church occasionally. And so she would say, David, come on, come on, go to church with me. And I'd say I would go, and it'd get all the way up to Saturday night before, and I'd have a rough night and get up Sunday morning and uh, wouldn't go. Well, when I, I got arrested February the 28th, uh, 2003, and I was headed down the road uh, that day to meet the law at my house, and I just said, man, Lord, I can't do this no more. I can't live this way no more. And about the best I knew of God at that point in my time was God got folks out of trouble that was in trouble. And I was in trouble and I needed out of trouble. And that was my understanding. And I just said, God, help. And, and man, the peace of God filled that car I was riding in going down the road. And I heard that little small, still voice that at the time I didn't know was God. And today I know was the voice of God that just said, David, this is your chance. You can change your life or everything you love is fixing to be took from you. That was a Wednesday afternoon. I bailed out of jail that Wednesday night. I walked in the doors of Cross Point Christian Church for the first time that Sunday morning. I don't even know what the preacher preached. I just know he couldn't give that altar call fast enough. And I went down and I surrendered and I gave my life to Christ that day. And that was March the 2nd, uh, 2003. And, but the thing was, that same drug addict that walked in that door that morning was the same drug addict that walked out the door the same afternoon. I had a new power. I had a new hope. I had a new sense of purpose. But I was still just as addicted at 1 o'clock as I was at 8 o'clock. Uh, that morning and so I struggled for the next six months with my addiction and you know I think one of the things we do in church and especially talking to those of us that's been in church a while that's been walking this thing out for years we see somebody come in and they come down to an altar like this and they make a confession of faith and they get up and we expect them to be a 180 degrees different person and that's just not the way it works. It's a process when we come to the Lord. It took me about six months really to get my feet under me. And man, I would come, I would go to the lighthouse and go to other meetings, go to the upper room, different prayer meetings, and have some of just the most awesome experiences and encounters with the Holy Spirit. And I would go home and the right buddy or the wrong buddy would be sitting in the driveway and down I'd go. And I remember telling somebody before, I said, man, when I would use during those times, I said, it, it would feel like if you had backed down the driveway and backed over Grandma. You can imagine about how you feel if you run over Grandma. I mean, that's just how low and dirty I would feel. And it always amazed me. I said, this, this thing, this substance that used to bring me joy just months ago or weeks ago today brings me misery, but I still kept going back to it because it was what was familiar to me. It was how I had learned to cope with my issues. It was how I had learned to cope with my anger and my control problems. And so 
at March to, or March, um, August the 10th, 2003, we got up getting ready to go to a men's retreat, and I just said enough's enough. I don't have to live this way no more. And the only thing I can describe to you, or the only ex explanation I can give you is I think finally a lot of head knowledge become heart knowledge. You know, a lot of times we learn things up here, but we really don't know it in here. It hasn't really settled in yet. And that day I realized that Christ had died for my sins, and not only was I forgiven, but I was set free in Jesus' name. And I didn't have to live that way no more. I didn't have to be that person no more. And see, today I'm free not to use. I'm free not to do. I mean, I got, I got a couple hundred dollars in my back pocket right now. I can go get whatever I want, but I'm free not to do that today. And there was a point in time in my life to where I wasn't free not to do that. I can remember crying with tears running down my cheeks on the way to the dope man's house because I knew I was going to be broke the next day. And I didn't want to be, but I was bound up to that. And when, when people come out of that, and, and we label addicts, we label alcoholics, but every one of us is in bondage to sin. Every person sitting in this room today at some point in your life has been in bondage to sin or is actively in bondage to sin. And if I'm honest with you, I'm still actively in bondage to it today. It might not be addiction, but I have things in my life that I don't want in my life that are not honoring and glorifying to God. And, and that's the process that we're all in. 23 years ago, it was addiction. Today, it's something totally different. Today, I'll just be honest with you, it's my weight. It's my health. You know, that this is the temple of God and, and that God's made me responsible for this temple. And I hadn't done the greatest job in the last 20 years of taking care of it. And so God's convicted me of that, of how that is sin and that is wrong. So when, and when we come to the Lord, the, those struggles start to change uh, over time. Uh, they get, I hate to use the word, shallower but they do, they, they get shallower, but they don't, they don't get harder. They don't get easier, they actually get harder. We see Jesus all through the New Testament. He would say, you know, you, you said, you've heard it said, don't do this. He said, I'm saying about the heart. And he made it deeper. When I first got saved, I was worried about a lot of outward actions that I was doing. There was a lot of things that was harmful to me that I needed to stop doing. But I remember going to a Celebrate Recovery conference, and we was in New Orleans and we got through listening to the conference that day, and I was sitting there at my table just crying with tears running down my face. And at this point in time, I was about a year sober. My wife said, what in the world is wrong with you? I said, I realize that I'm a year sober, but I'm just as bound up today as I was a year ago because of all the hurts, because of all the things in that, that were still buried six feet beneath the surface. See, I used drugs because of the hurts and the, the pains that I had in my life, the rejection and stuff. And so many times we come into church and we deal with the outside things that everybody can see because those are what everybody wants us to change. But we don't deal with what's going on in here. God wants to deal with what's going on in here. And, and I don't care what it is today that on the outside that you are struggling with, if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to deal with what's going on in here and that's why we relapse that's why we go back to whatever it is because we clean the outside up and we make it pretty but we leave all the dead man's bones on the inside and Jesus didn't come just to clean us up on the outside he come to clean us up on the inside but you know one of the only ways I was able to do that is I had men and women that come around me and supported me and held me accountable 
and, and Bob was one of them, and I'm, I still struggle to keep calling you Judge Armstrong. I'm sorry, I've done it for so long that it's just what I want to do. And so, but it was guys like Bob and Jerry Yeager and others that they just rallied themselves around me. And, and I told somebody before, I said, man, if there's a toilet cleaning party at your church, they signed me up for it. Uh, I was on the top of the list. And I went because I realized that, man, when I hang out with these people, when I get around them, my thinking begins to change. They start wearing off on me. The Bible says, do not be fooled. Bad company corrupts good character. But the opposite is true, too. Good company corrupts bad character in a good way. Uh, it, it begins to change us and do. And so uh, I really encourage you, as you have the Wesley House and a lot of the different type ministries that you have here through Blue Jean, y'all are very active out in the community. I mean, you have a servant's heart, and you're doing an awesome job, man. Uh, Matt's like the Energizer Bunny. You see him everywhere, and you hear his name brought up everywhere. Y'all are making a difference in the community. And one of the ways we can make a bigger difference, and this is even for us as Crosspoint, is learning to love people, is learning to come alongside of people and not put these unrealistic religious expectations on people. That was one of the things that, man, the guys around me at that time, if I relapsed, man, they patted me on the back and said, man, you can do this. Get up, dust your knees off, go at it again. And I did. I would get up and dust my knees off. They encouraged me. They spoke life into me. And they come alongside of me and they did life with me and they helped me walk this thing out to where, praise God, uh, this past August the 10th, I celebrated 20 years of sobriety. Amen. And that's because of the power of God in my life and the power of fellowship. We need one another, guys. We do. I, I don't know if, if it's the same on this side of town as it is on our side of town, but it's a tough world outside of those doors right there. It's like everything in the world is trying to pull us away from God. Our culture, our society, everything has just become anti-God. We need one another in here. We have to be one another's support system and come alongside of one another and do life together. We, we can't, the days of just being able to run into church and spend an hour, hour and a half in service and run back out with our battery charged and make it to next Sunday, uh, they're just, they're over. We, we need more than that. If we're going to be who God's called us to be and what God's called us to be, I believe God has a purpose and a plan for Selma, Alabama. I, I don't believe Selma, Alabama is a dead city. I don't believe Selma, Alabama is a dying city. I, I believe revival is on the horizon. I believe there's a turnaround coming for Selma, Alabama. I believe that with all my heart. I refuse to believe that God left me in a dying city. There's a yes on my lips, and I go anywhere in this world he wants me to go and do anything he wants me to do, and he planted me right here. Then I believe God's going to move in Selma, Alabama. And I'm going to believe that till he moves or I draw my last breath, whichever one comes first. And we got to get a hold of the promises of God and stand on them for our city. Uh, and sometimes I buy into the negativity and I start speaking negative and grumbling and mumbling about things. And man, God rebukes me really quick or he sends somebody like Bob by to do it, you know, to share a story about him rebuking somebody or somebody doing something. It's like, okay, Lord, I hear you. <laughs> you know? And because it is tough at times and that's the other reason we need one another. Fellowship is so important. Family is so important. And y'all have your fellowship here, and then, then we're over here, and then we got to come together. The, the little C church is not going to fix Selma. Blue Jean is not going to fix Selma by itself. 
Crosspoint is not going to fix Selma by itself. But if we come together as the church, the big C church, we can make a difference in Selma, Alabama. Amen. And it's going to take the church unifying and coming together. And, and, we, and we've been good about doing that over the years and working together and partnering together. Uh, but we got to start reaching even outside of that group and allow God to do what he's doing. Um, I have no idea where I'm going this morning. I am flying by the seat of my pants this morning. And so, <laughs> um, <laughs> I love y'all. Um, I, I do, and I thank, I thank God uh, for this place and what God's done here. Uh, as I was headed down the road this morning coming here, I just heard the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. That, that y'all have been faithful to what God's called you to do. That it, that it hadn't always been the easy road. Uh, it hadn't always been the popular road. But you've held true to what God's told you to do and you've stayed the course. And, and God's proud of y'all for that. And, and, and I, I'm not one of those prophetic guys that gets words all the time. And so when I get one, it even scares me. So, But I definitely uh, heard the Lord say that this morning. So I guess keep doing what you're doing, Blue Jean. Keep loving on people. Keep being the hands and feet of Christ. That's what's going to change Selma, Alabama. The love of God, that's what's going to change Selma, Alabama. Church isn't going to change it. I don't know about y'all, but I don't buy had all the church I want. <laughs> I'm churched out. I want an encounter with God. I want to encounter the Holy Spirit. I want to see lives changed. I want to see a difference being made in the community around me. And y'all are definitely a big part of that in Selma. Let's pray. Father, we bless your name this morning. And again, God, I thank you for this place. And God, I thank you for what you're doing here at Blue Jean. God, I just lift up their leadership to you right now. God, their elders. And God, I pray you give them wisdom. God, give them clear direction. God, I speak unity and peace into this church today. God, I just pray for more of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray for manifestation of your signs and wonders, God, that this would just be a place that's known where people can come and get help and receive healing and wholeness. God, I thank you for their love and personality and their attitude. And God, we just pray for more. God, we pray for more of a servant's heart. God, more of a servant leadership attitude. And God, just pray you continue to bless them in all that they do uh, so you may be glorified. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope this message has equipped and inspired you to transform people, your community, and the world through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Whether you're from Selma or anywhere you're listening from, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us online at www.bluejeanselma.com.